Hello everyone and welcome to the Supply Chain Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today and whilst you're here don't forget to follow us to stay up to date with our weekly podcast featuring leaders within the supply chain. In this week's episode I talked to Jim Swift, CEO of Cortera, an information provider to companies within the supply chain regarding financial spend and risk. Thank you so much for your time today Jim, I really can't wait to talk to you. Um, How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks Emily. Awesome. So firstly, just to kind of jump into things, could you please tell us a little bit about you and your company? Yeah, sure. I'm the CEO of Cortera, and we are a business and uh, information analytics company that specializes in understanding companies in the U.S. and Canada, especially private businesses, and uh, building solutions to help uh, businesses understand the uh, companies that they interact with. So who do they buy from, who do they sell to, and how do the different parts of the supply chain work? Yeah, awesome. And I'm always interested to know how people got into the supply chain, um, because obviously not something that's really um, pushed at an educational level. So what type of education did you do and what were your previous jobs? So I went to school for mechanical engineering. I wanted to design rocket ships and things. And uh, and I worked as a design engineer when I got out of college. And, uh, and that was all great, but I wanted to run the company. <laughs> and so I ended up going down another path where I got into computer technology because it was, uh, it was an emerging field at the time. And I quickly uh, just got into data and analytics. And uh, so uh, coming from a background in engineering and manufacturing, uh, I had, I guess I had a bias towards supply chain solutions in the first place. And so uh, that became my obsession. And it's, it's combining information uh, with, um, with, with different elements of what's going on in the supply chain. I, uh, I ended up joining a startup uh, way back when in the dot-com days, the first dot-com days called Sizent. And the idea was to, to do a lot of what we're doing now, uh, bring information about businesses so that companies could interact more efficiently. And, uh, and it was really successful. We were acquired by LexisNexis. Um, I became the chief operating officer of the risk group within LexisNexis. Uh, I left and said, okay, I, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do it again, but I, I'm going I'm to really focus in on this one problem. And I started Corterra, and that was about 14 years ago. And our whole focus is understanding uh, businesses because everywhere I've been my whole career, people are struggling to understand companies. You know, who is it we're doing business with, whether I'm trying to sell to them, whether I'm trying to make a risk decision about my customers, whether I'm trying to assess a supplier or figure out uh, supply chain continuity with supplier disruptions, there's just never been a great source about information of information about businesses, and so that's that's my mission, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's really fascinating because you know businesses need to have they need to have this knowledge. They're not actually going to get it from nowhere. So I, I really think that um, what you're doing is is kind of fascinating you're kind of leading leading some businesses um, and especially we're going to touch on financial health here um what is the importance of financial health within the supply chain and how exactly is it measured and also i guess what makes for good financial health what is the information you provide there financial health is is uh is crucial to supply chains obviously because if companies aren't healthy they can't have um, consistent production they can't respond to uh, market dynamics that are going on. And so the healthier businesses are, the more flexible and the higher performing that supply chain can be. If you think about it, so many businesses are relying upon other businesses and, and, um, and it's both buying from them and supplying them in order to make all this work. So whenever you have a hiccup with the health of businesses, 
it disrupts up and down the chain. And so uh, it, it's crucial. And so what, what we do is, um, is we, under, we try to understand a couple of things about companies. Um, we think the, the most important indicator about the health of a business is to understand their spending. Because companies that are healthy spend consistently. If you get in trouble, you spend less. You have less money to spend. If you're growing, you spend more. And so that's the first thing that's really uh, a, a strong indicator of what's going on in a business. And the second thing is how they pay their suppliers. Because if they're getting under stress, um, that, then they tend to slow down payments. And when looking at the combinations of how they're spending and how they're paying gives you a lot of insight. You know, are they, are they paying slow, but they're growing and they're just not able to handle the growth and, th- and their processes are breaking down versus are they not able to pay? And so uh, we, we build a whole bunch of analytics and unique data assets around, around those things and, uh, and try to reduce it into easy to consume uh, indicators and tools and all kinds of things that businesses can use to, uh, to make it actionable in their processes. Yeah, so when you provide this information, is this kind of um, something that they share very widely within their business across all parts of their supply chain? Yeah, typically because, you know, companies that sell to other businesses, B2B businesses, uh, the relationships with their customers and with their suppliers are crucial. And it's not just one person or one group within an organization that needs that information because mm-hmm. you're selling to them, you're, you're managing customer relationships, you're making credit decisions, you're collecting on late, uh, late payments, you're, you're doing procurement, you're, you're picking suppliers, you're evaluating suppliers, you're monitoring the health of suppliers, you're doing all these different things, contracting, legal teams. So uh, when you're B2B, that connection of the bees is crucial to be informed with um, with better information. Awesome. And so what can supply chains actually do to maintain good or healthy financial health? Um, so what, what kind of information do you provide to ensure this? Well, I, I think whether it's us or any other means, the number one thing is monitoring. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of the buzzwords around know your customer. It's, it's crucial to know everything about your customers and your suppliers. And so uh, tools to monitor, I think, are the most important thing. When you're a really small business, you monitor by talking to your customers. You have a small number and you call them and you talk to them and you take them to dinner and you do all these things that we used to before COVID. And, and so um, you monitor that way. As you get bigger, you need tools. You need more information. You need to be able to find um, quickly the, uh, the changes, good and bad, that are going on with the health of your customer. So it's, to me, it's all about monitoring. It starts there. And then once I identify a hotspot or an opportunity, then I want to be able to go deeper and drill into that and really understand in, in more depth, including the old school, pick up the phone and call your customer and say, Hey, it looks like it's going really well, or it's going really bad or your supplier. Hey, you having you having trouble on, you know, I rely on you. Is there anything we can do to help you out? These, these relationships, obviously it's businesses, but, um, but when you have lasting relationships with your customers and suppliers, it becomes very personal as well. So it's a it's a blend. It's a blend of all these these um, these these people tools as well as automated tools. But if I if I can monitor and be alerted really quickly to what's going on, then I have the best tool in my disposal to make sure my business is healthy. And so, is there like an element of trust within all of this, and kind of um, 
transparency, I guess, in means of regards to data and also, you know, the financial data? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, a big, uh, w- what we've done is, is um, in order to, to try to, to um, develop the analytics, you know, it, because it's, it's one thing to want the information. It's another thing, you mentioned transparency, to be able to, to share and collaborate and do all these things in a, in a trusted and safe way. So um, what we've, we've done is we've built a network where um, companies, they participate in our credit exchange. And so uh, they are, they're sharing their accounts receivable data through us, like a credit bureau, if you will. Uh, and, and so what that allows us to do is understand how the money's flowing between businesses. It's coming from the suppliers. So it's about the, the, the buyers, uh, their customers. Uh, but it's a chain. So one person's buyer is another person's supplier and on and on and on and around and it goes. And so uh, we've amassed now uh, about $1.7 trillion in spend between businesses. And we, we, we slice it and dice it in lots of different ways. And we build these analytics that help us and everyone else understand, okay, here's what's going on. Here's how the money's flowing around all of these different interrelated businesses and supply chains. And so uh, here's what's happening as a result. And it's, it's amazingly predictive. In the US this morning, just a few minutes ago, the, um, the January retail numbers came out. So it's consumer spending. Uh, and, and it was up 5% from last month. Well, last night, you know, we, uh, everyone was dialed in on our data, which predicted it was 5% up and the, the business spending. So businesses spent 5% more retailers from their, with their suppliers uh, last month than they did the month before. And sure enough, that, that mapped directly to consumers. So now you start to look at the predictive power of all this, where we can understand how the money's flowing. Usually the goods are flowing, right? If I'm making more, I'm spending more to make it. If I'm selling more, I'm spending more to ship it. And so it, it, it's just, um, it's a way where, where businesses can, can have the safe transparency, you know, where it's, it's anonymized. No one knows who's, who anyone else's customers are, but, uh, but by understanding the flow of this, this money, they can make better decisions about how they want to manage their production, forecast their revenue, all these other tools that are crucial for these interrelated parts to, to move efficiently. Yeah, so I'm actually kind of interested to touch on this technology that is utilized here. Um, maybe uh, things that come to mind is AI and blockchain and things like this, because um, obviously digital transformation is really important at the minute and these, these technologies are constantly being talked about. Um, so I'm wondering what you do at Corterra um, in terms of optimizing technology. Well, we're a technology company at the core. Uh, our, our team has been, we have tons of experience in, uh, in different kinds of data uh, going way back, right? It, if you look 20 years ago, the issue was the cost of technology. We, you couldn't manage large amounts of data. We used to talk about big data, if you remember. So uh, we've been building technologies to be able to manage more data uh, for, you know, for most of our careers. And so it's really uh, part of our DNA to be um, open-minded about the new things that come out. So whether it's Hadoop clusters in order to be able to do memory-based computing which allows you to process data and load it faster and then, and then to basically transform and analyze and score things faster. The speed that memory-based computing gives you is huge. Um, AI is really interesting. 
uh, depending on how you want to deploy it, um, because you know you can learn from what's happening, and you can uh, machine learning is a is a related field where where you can see what's what's happening, where the trends are going, and and you can uh, build algorithms that will then extend that and fill in holes in your data or predict the next couple of steps out there. So we leverage all of those um, in things like our matching, um, our scoring for sure. Um, you know, all, all the different predictive things that we're trying to do. Um, so we, we look at is how can we make the data, the underlying data more complete, more accurate, uh, more joined. It's really difficult to be able to combine all this data in, in the most useful and correct ways so we, because businesses are complicated, right? They have different divisions. They have different locations. How do I take all that data and assemble it in the right ways? So technology is crucial to be able to pull the data together in ways where where it's uh, it's something useful and accurate, and then to make sense of it. So, um, yeah, we're we're always we're, we're always looking for new ways in order to uh, to leverage the latest and greatest technologies to get better at what we're trying to do. Yeah, awesome. And um, kind of touching back on the financial side of things, I want to scope out slightly and think about um, kind of global economic health and how important it is that supply chains are financially stable for the sake of global financial health? Yeah, I think there are a couple of dimensions to that. One is is um, the importance of being stable, but then the other thing is being able to track and see how stable they are and what the trends are doing. Um, because it, it's just, it's crucial to know where are we, where are we going, where have we been? So this was really highlighted during the early part of the pandemic because people were panicked. You know, they didn't know what was going on and what and how bad it would be. And and so we came up with uh, uh, something called our bounce curves. You know, we figured that the economy would go down and all, all aspects of it in different ways would go down and then they would kind of bounce back in some shape. And everyone argues about the shape, let them argue, whether it's V's or U's or Nike swooshes or K's or all that stuff. But um, with the bounce curves, we said, you know what, the, the best indicator here is the spending that's going on. And again, the, this flow of money parallels the flow of goods through the supply chain. So um, sometimes one comes first, sometimes the other one comes first, but but they're, they go hand in hand. And so, uh, we said, we're going to look at the, the overall spending by businesses, and then we're going to look at it by type of business and all kinds of different ways. And we're going to develop insights. And we've been, that was in March or so of, of last year. I can't believe it's been almost a year. And it, we've been publishing monthly reports that, that constantly uh, have new ways to look at this data. Happy to share them with anyone who's interested. Uh, but um, the bounce curve is the spending. And and so what, we, what we've seen overall is uh, that in uh, April, May of last year is when businesses spent the least. That's when they were most impacted. And we saw their spending decreased 13% from the prior year, which is kind of insane. You know, that's, that's a, a huge decrease. And that means that they're not producing as much. So inventories are going down. It means that consumers either aren't buying as much or the manufacturers are afraid they're not going to buy as much, right? So you have all these different psychological and physical and logistics issues that go on between these businesses and the supply chain. So it, it hit bottom at about 13% overall. That's across all industries in the U.S. and Canada. And then it's recovered where in January, 
the spending was actually 12% higher by businesses overall than it was last January. Now, not all businesses are winning, right? Some hotels are one of the ones that are most severely impacted. And so they're dragging things down. Airlines and others are still trying to recover. Restaurants are still trying to recover. But a lot of businesses are have really capitalized on the new world that we have. So things like internet retail and home improvement, any technology related field, they're all doing really well compared to last year. And so when you add them all together, the overall spend has gone from down 13% to up 12%. And, and then you break it out and you start to understand, well, specific to the elements of the supply chain, we like to think of it as manufacturing, distribution, transportation, and retail, right? I make something, I move it. Sometimes I move it through a distributor and I get it out to a retailer where a consumer can buy it. So those, those four components are really important to understand because they're all moving these different waves in parallel. So manufacturing was down 23% in May from spending of last May. It, it really impacted. And January was 7% higher than last January. So it went, it was the most impacted, went way down and now has, has crossed into positive territory. Transportation was down 15%. It's now up 17%. Distribution was down 7%, now up 13%. And overall retail was only down 3% and is now up 16. But that, that down 3% was, there's some that were just hammered, like restaurants and others. And then there were some that were doing great, like Amazon and all the internet people. So looking at all these pieces gives us clues into what's going to happen next. It gives us the ability to forecast better, whether it's forecasting our production or our sales or anything else. And this is where all these different people throughout the organization can better understand what's happening because you know, you're one business, but you're part of this ecosystem that you, you really need to see what's happening all around in order to, uh, to be as efficient and profitable as, as you can be. That is really fascinating. Thank you for all them like figures and stats. Honestly, um, it's really I got a million. Of yeah, <laughs> really interesting to kind of be able to picture the the curves and the the dips of what was actually happening for the businesses. Um, I'm kind of interested. Has COVID been a catalyst or like a wake up call for realizing the importance of financial health and risk management? Um. Yeah. I it seems like I always have two answers for you. So the, the first, the, the first way, the thing I'd point out is it's definitely a wake up call. I think um, whenever you have serious stress on a system, whatever it is, it drives innovation, right? Because in the face of problems and fear and unknown, uh, people get amazingly resourceful. And so some of our best inventions come out of adversity like that. Um, but I think it really highlighted that we need to understand the businesses that we're interacting with in much more robust ways and much earlier uh, before events happen or as they're starting to unfold. And so we're seeing the willingness of companies to embrace new things, the creativity that they have in taking new pieces of information um, and, and embracing them and trying new things just the thirst for more information. It's amazing. You, know, you hear about alternative data all the time. And, uh, and so companies 
you know, who used to be a little more closed minded or, you know, we don't have time or the money to make a system change or, uh, well, all of a sudden they, they became a lot more open-minded <laughs> during this whole process. So, so that, that's, that, that's something that, um, that I think is, is, uh, is, is really interesting coming out of COVID. Yeah. And so I kind of want to just touch on as well, the difference between, um, big business, big businesses, medium sized businesses and smaller businesses and kind of have they had different impacts from COVID um, or has it been kind of the same in terms of financial health across the board? It depends on a couple of things. Uh, depends on the industry. Um, in some, in some industries, they're set up for big guys to win more. Um, so I think uh, early on, uh, big internet retailers, um, big uh, general merchandise stores like the Walmarts of the world, big home improvement stores like Lowe's and Home Depot did better because they had access to inventory and they had existing distribution. And so they were able to absorb the punch better than the smaller ones. Um, but in overall, I would say big companies have benefited a little bit more for a lot of those same reasons. The, uh, but smaller businesses are, are following the same curve, just kind of shifted down a little bit. So they're still recovering. They're in positive territory year over year, a little less so than, um, than large companies. Um, and it, again, it depends on, on industries, you know, the, uh, you have some like restaurants where the majority are small. And so, mm-hmm. uh, r- restaurants are, are, uh, struggling to recover, but amazingly resilient. The, uh, the, the fact that they are, again, goes to creativity, right? They're finding new ways to discount and to do takeout and delivery and all these other ways to survive. I think it's a lesson in flexibility of the supply chain and the human spirit. Definitely. And I'm kind of interested to talk about maybe how companies, obviously your stats mentioned companies have bounced back now, um, but how can companies and business now be more tenacious and resilient when it comes to future disruptions? Well, I think the monitoring is key, right? Finding new ways to understand who your, who your customers and your suppliers are in, in detail and, un, and understanding what's going on. I think that's probably the, the number one thing that you can do. And I think also just the awareness. So not only keeping tabs on these parts, but, but being more aware of the other components in the supply chain. Sometimes when you're inside a business, a manufacturer or transportation company, you, you're focused on your business and your industry, but there are, there are good signals in the related industries. So uh, the relationship between manufacturing and retail, really important um, between um, distributors and retail, you know, all these different components, you can learn a lot from the other players within your supply chain. So instead of looking at it just as your business or your industry, look at it where you fit in the chain, which, which link are you and what's happening with the other links. And it'll, it'll give you, uh, it'll give you more insight into what's going on. Companies know this. It's a re- just a reminder, right? They, they, they obviously know mm-hmm. this. This is anybody in the supply chain is, is constantly trying to keep aware, but, but you run out of time sometimes. And so heightened awareness about that is, is something that's more, you can keep it in mind, the more you're going to be able to find new data, new tools to be able to, to do this and, uh, and, 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 and keep yourself sane through the process. 
Yeah, and I think here it's really important to note perhaps the importance of the supply chain and um, kind of also then the importance of financial health because it, especially due to COVID, we've had the kind of introduction of a brand new supply chain, which is, you know, PPE and vaccine distribution and how we have to really understand and appreciate the supply chain. I think it's awesome how COVID has really brought that to light, maybe. Um, so I'm thinking, what can we expect from the future within the supply chain, um, right down from, you know, customer level, right up to the top to the biggest suppliers in the world? What can we expect? Well, you know, to your point about awareness of the supply chain, something that was that that was really interesting uh, through COVID was a reminder of how resilient the supply chain is. So people all of a sudden couldn't go to restaurants; they had to go to grocery stores instead. And if you think about what it takes to to get something onto onto the, the shelves in the store or onto the table in the restaurant, this is where supply chains come in, right? You have manufacturers who create something, you have distributors and transportation companies that find ways to store it and manage the inventory and get it to either a grocery store or a restaurant. The, the, the challenge that everyone was faced with suddenly overnight was that we had to change everything. We had to change the way we package things because when you sell to a restaurant, when you sell food to a restaurant, it's it's in larger containers. It doesn't have the fancy labeling. It's it's bulk packaged. All of a sudden, we need to we need to shift gears really fast, and completely change everything. We had that means different types of distribution, different size trucks and things, and different different warehousing and different forecasting of the inventory turns and the production schedules. It's kind of mind boggling how much goes into that, and yet we didn't have empty shelves. So the fact that Everyone in that chain was able to pivot and not whine about it and quickly adapt to the new demand profile and all the things that go into it, the packaging companies, the manufacturers, everybody, right? And make that happen was just to me, it was especially coming out of that industry originally, it was it was kind of cool to see. It, and it was really satisfying to see just all of that interaction come to life. Right, all the investments the companies make in making that happen. So, I think going forward, what does the future hold with that? I think um, you know a lot of COVID to me is about wake up calls. It's not about inventing totally new ways of doing things. It's about being a catalyst for certain things like internet shopping and delivery and how that's going to change all of our supply chains. It's just happening. It's accelerating things that were already going, like buying food online. People were far more reluctant to do that a year ago than they are today. And so in a few years, you know, that's going to be even more prevalent. And the fact that supply chains have already been, have shown how much that how they can be flexible to change this, they're going to not get in the way. So all of the, the trends, some, some for better, some for worse, probably that, that are, that are either started or accelerated because of this are going to be facilitated by our supply chain efficiency. And it's uh, a, a, it's global. It's around the world. So, um, I I think um, you know, I I don't think it changes anything necessarily, other than than allowing things maybe to evolve at a uh, a natural pace or even faster. And I think you're right there. It was really awesome to see kind of um, how everything was just shifted, but but it was 
it just happened, especially to a customer, it just happened and we just accepted it and it was like, this is normal now and it makes sense and big companies were, you know, creating hand sanitizer when they're not normally doing that or they're creating face masks and ventilators. I just think it's really awesome how it's, it really has shown the true flexibility of the supply chain. And I guess I want to ask, are you surprised by that? Are you surprised by how easily they pivoted? Um, did you think we would like we were prepared for it in any way? Um, I would have to say I wasn't surprised. I was I was um, I was kind of pleased, and I was uh, I was I was happy for those companies. You know, I, I've been inside all those different kinds of businesses, working in manufacturing companies. Our customers are. All of those players, manufacturers, distributors, transportation companies, retailers, that's who we work with every day. I see how hard they work. Um, and I know how flexible they are. The competition in those industries, I think, is what keeps them sharp. They are, a lot of those are lower margin businesses where you have to be very efficient and innovative in order to survive. And uh, and so to see the reward of that, that, you know, that it's like being in shape. You know, they're in shape, they're ready to go. And so when it was game time, their businesses were in shape. And to see them be able to react to that, I just, uh, I felt good for them. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think it's kind of a quite a good note to end on here. And also, I just kind of want to ask you, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or just kind of a message to end on just for the listeners' sake? Um, yeah, I, I think... I, I think awareness of flexibility in supply chains, you know, appreciation for how important they are uh, is really, it's good for everybody. But I think within that, I, I just keep coming back to this monitoring point. You know, if the more, the more you can, uh, you can embrace new information in your organization, uh, share it. Don't, don't hoard and, and be protective of the information. Share it around, really focus on, on helping your company know everything you can about the other businesses you interact with. I think we've seen the, the value of that over the past year. And so the more you can drive that in, into the, the value system and the day-to-day -day operations in your business, I think the more competitive you can be. Amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's, that's really important. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for your time today, Jim. I think we've really covered quite a lot. And I, I hope our listeners learned a lot from this. Obviously, you brought a lot of stats, so I hope they've got them written down and ready to go. So yeah, I'd like to thank you again. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Emily. Awesome, thank you.